What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the podcast formerly known as Random Encounters. We still have no name. Somebody please send us a name. We need it badly. Episode 9 or episode 8.2, episode 9. I'm joined, as always, by, oh, you're my best friend in a world we must defend, Mex. Hi. Nicknames are stupid, Steve. Say hi. Hi. Say hi. Say hi. Remember, this goes out as an audio podcast, so nobody can see you rolling your eyes at me. You can hear it, though. And I missed it last week, but I'm staying anyways. 60 FPS Jeff. Woo! (laughs) What's up? How'd everybody go? You guys did an awesome job last week. I was uh, very impressed. You're welcome. A little bit of concern that you you stopped in to watch on your vacation, but other than that, yeah. I mean, I was more concerned that uh, he was playing at Switch at the beach. Like, what the hell is that about? <laughs> well, he, so, so here's the thing. A little little St. Croix travel tips to start the show out with. Nothing happens on the, on the Frederickstead side of the island in St. Croix. The whole island shuts down at like 7 o'clock. We were sitting there the first night, the only people sitting out, you know, by the pool, thinking, oh, yeah, there's going to be people, you know, partying and having a good time. Nobody. Nobody at all. It took us till like Tuesday to realize you got to have your fun during the day and then go to bed early. Hmm. So that's why I was able to sit. Like Mindy was already asleep by the time we were watching the, uh, the time I was watching the podcast. Were they up at like 7 a.m. in the morning? Like ready? To yeah, st- stuff started pretty early. A um, lot of day drinking. Have lots of day drinking. There's no open canister laws on that island, including whilst driving. So you can just go to the gas station and get a beer and they'll crack it for you and you can just put it in the cup holder. It's the only place that I've ever gone on a vacation where I'm like, hey, I need to move here. So, yeah, I was going to say you're going back. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a whole other side of the island that has more night. I think we want to stay over there next time. We're all going to retire then uh, once we make it big here. And the thing is, it's America, so you don't have to worry about getting dual citizenship somewhere else. Like, it's just a, you know, territory of the United States. That's pretty cool. Everything's really, everything's really expensive, though. A lot of money. (laughs) Triscuits cost like $6. That's entirely too much money for Triscuits. You could probably order them off Amazon uh, cheaper. I I don't know that Amazon delivers to a tropical island. What? Did you try? I did not. Don't they have drones? They could just drop it right onto your hotel. Maybe. Just just take it down from Puerto Rico and just fling it over a catapult. If not... What was that twenty dollar price like for, for Amazon Prime? <laughs> not going to deliver it to you on an island. <laughs> well, while I was away on vacation, uh, what were you guys playing? Uh, let's start with you, Mex, because you're not very fun. Uh, Pokemon. Next. There we go, Steve. <laughs> what were you playing? Um, well, I know I trash mobile games a lot, but I needed something to do uh, interstitially between boring shit, and all I had was my phone. So I was playing Another Eden, which is a game that's made by the people behind the original like Chrono Trigger, I think, story-wise. And uh, there was an article on Kotaku that said that there's microtransactions, but not like oh. overt ones, not pay to win. Like so, microtransactions. It, it's, it's one of those gotcha things yeah, where just... you can roll for characters, but you don't have to. Like You can just mm-hmm. win the game with what you got. So... Uh, I just was messing around with it, and it's it's not bad, but it still stinks of mobile games. So if I've got another option, I'll play something else. Ding uh, dong, XL. One hundred and forty-four ding dongs, by the way. I, I did 144. Pick that up this week, it's back on sale. 
<laughs> yeah, the Steam sale was a blessing and a curse because I have like no money, but I really, really wanted to play something. And it just so happened that I saw a random article about uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands because it looked really interesting when it came out. But I hate babysitting AI in that in the Ghost Recon games because they're smart enough, but I just don't want to deal with them. And I found out uh, like last July they put an option to just delete them. They just disappear, which is a ton of fun because there's a little warning that pops up that says, we didn't mess with the game, so things are going to look weird. And you'll be sitting on a helicopter, and the guy's like, all right, we got to save all these kids from these terrorists. What do you think, Jim? And it's just an empty helicopter, so he just looks like a psychopath the whole time. And then you'll be sitting there like, there's a sniper. He's over there. Watch out. And you're just like, I don't know who I'm talking to. It's just me. But he's over there. So, uh, and I love the ghost or the Tom Tom Clancy franchises because uh, I'm kind of a gun nerd from way back in the day. And so everything's legit. Everything has its proper name. Everything, like, when you go into your uh, loadout, you pick a gun and the thing, like, explodes into all of its constituent parts and you can completely modify it how you want and i'm just sitting there like salivating like oh yes i do want an embassy site <laughs> and a grenade launcher and that stock oh it's so good so uh i've been playing i'd like to say i've been playing the shit out of it but really like the past three nights that i could get away i've been mm-hmm. doing that and i have a, I have a game one. i have a game suggestion for you have you heard of escape from tarkov uh i have but it's a multiplayer and i'm not gonna play it yeah, but it is the epitome of gun nerd. Like my my buddy Jacoby is a huge gun nerd, and he loves that game because you have to have make sure you have the right like washer in between your sight, or else you can't mount the thing correctly. And it's it is gun customization at its core. Yeah, you kind of have to walk that fine line between being overly realistic and still just wanting to play a game. And I think this one fits fits really well. There was a game. I can't remember the name of it, but they were like, in order to use the gun, you have to do absolutely everything right. You have to load the magazine, put it in, let the slide go, turn off the safety, pull pull it back. I was like, that's too much. I just want to shoot. I want to see something and shoot it. A super annoying VR game like that, where you got to pick up the bullets and load them in and make sure everything's, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Super annoying. So you'd probably love it. (laughs) Yeah, it was... well, I think you saw the VR version of the normal game. I still don't remember what the hell it was called, but it was like an indie game that was really cell shaded. But it's too much of a pain in the ass. I was. It's, I like, mean, it's, a, it's like a fun novelty, but it's not something you want to do like for not there yet, long periods of time. Play. All right, well, you, like, there, go ahead. <laughs> what <laughs> have you been playing, Jeff? I'm glad we got this podcast going because I can finally sit down. I've been playing, standing at my pinball machine basically nonstop since <laughs> last Friday, just putting in new machines. Uh, I did pick up Wargroove, got a little bit into that, not as much, thanks to uh, having to check back in with the store to make sure it was Friday, on Friday, but then they said it's not Friday, so I got a late start on that, but that's it's pinball and Wargroove. So your pinball is your pinball machine done now? Is that what the pictures you've been sending? Like not done, but like I'm playable. Keep scoffing. <laughs> that thing will never be done. For starters, <laughs> there's always something to tinker with. But as far as like built, yeah, it's built. Yeah. yeah. 
Good stuff. I told That's you it's not done until you uh, upload Space Cadet on there. I, I guess, like I showed you guys today, I've been working on that thing from a piece of wood six years ago to where it's at now. It's the closest I'll get to having a child. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, the closest I want to get to having a child. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I was on vacation, so I played way more video games than I play normally in a week. I took my Switch with me, and I also played Wargroove uh, on the plane ride, the whole play ride home. Uh, but working backwards, I played a lot of Splatoon 2. Like, I, I set that game down for, you know, months now, and I got back into that. That game is still really, really fun. So I was glad that I was able to get out there and play that a little bit. I didn't bring a, a GameCube controller with me, so Smash was out of the question because I cannot play without a GameCube controller. I'm one of those people. I, I tried so well. Yeah. So uh, aside from that and uh, 144 Ding Dongs, that was my gaming week. But uh, the, the one common game that we mentioned was Wargroove. Uh, I know you were really excited for this coming out. Uh, give us your impressions. What did you think? Did, did he freeze up? Jeff? Oh, oh, no. Did no. we lose Jeff? This is the whole... <laughs> All right. Well, while we try to reestablish that, my, uh, my second part of this uh, doesn't really make any sense without somebody to really explain what, uh, what I was supposed to be doing because I am really bad at that game. I mean... Well, unnecessarily bad at that game i cannot like i'm not sure if i just don't understand what's going on but the matches take me uh, jeff will be back in 30 seconds the matches take like 90 minutes and you'll get in these situations where you know you're going to lose but you don't want to quit out of the game but you also know you're going to lose so like 20 minutes 30 minutes a half an hour you know you're way into this and you just play it at the end you know blues and you know there's no mid-tier like checkpoints so you got to go back to the beginning and start all over again. So this, uh, this sounds a lot like um, I, I saw a review on it because I was curious if it was something I wanted to pick up. And that's pretty much what they said. It's like the matches aren't quick. It's usually no. like 30, 40 minutes. And uh, a lot of them have a tendency to wind up in like a near stalemate where it's just a war of attrition. And there's not really much tactically you can do other than just keep waiting it out till it's a slow build or a slow decline. Mm -hmm. And then the thing is, hey, he's back. Um, the the um, I think I'm playing. I have to be playing Wargroove wrong. The match is supposed to take like an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's basically tug of war until one of you like blinks, and then like all the progress you've made is gone, and then it's just in this salvage mode yeah it's, a, it's 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 a great place for somebody just getting into strategy games okay so that was one of my questions is am i starting in a good place because you are starting in a good place i would say if you like this i would maybe go to advanced wars try a fire emblem out um i don't hate it i'm just not very good at it and i don't what, feel like i'm getting any better that's the, that's the thing. Are you going into it like it's a chess game or like you need to outsmart everything or yeah. are you just kind of like throwing your enemies at the other team and seeing what happens? I mean, kind of in the middle. Like I don't, I have not taken the time to memorize what is strong against what. I mean, I know some characters, I know like the, 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 
you know, the spear carrying dudes will take out the knights. They're they're strong against that. But I have not gone through the entire list of figuring out what's strong to what. I had, you know, I went in and figured out what crits. And I think the crit system is very interesting in that game where it's not random. It's based on, you know, well, it, it placement. It you for not playing like an asshole. Yeah. That's yeah. So I, mean, I can describe it. Definitely. I mean, it, it takes a lot of the, you know, the bullshit luck out of the equation. And you know that if you pull up one of your knights or whatever the hell they're called, the guys with the swords next to your commander, they're going to crit if they're standing next to them. Or if you have dogs and you have a dog next to the enemy, the dogs are going to crit. And it, it adds an extra level of tactic that I don't think, again, I haven't played anything else to compare it to. But from what I'm reading, that's not really present in any other games. It's one of the, uh, you know, the things that are new about that. So. I do like it. I'm not going to lie. Like the first couple of, of matches I played, I had a good time with it. I just, it's, it's so long There's... and all it takes is one or two failures after 80, 90 minutes in. And it really, you really just don't want to start over again. There's a, I was playing one today coming home from work where it's one of the side missions. Have you played through any of those yet? Uh, I did a few. Yeah. There's, there's one where you're the goodest doggo. Uh, and mm-hmm. you're in you're in the middle of this giant map, and they're sending wave after wave of enemies at you, and you just have to hold the fort. And I'm on my fourth playthrough of it. I can like they randomized how they come at. Yeah, is that the one where the villagers are in the middle, and you have to yep. keep the villagers? Yeah, I, I have it. I tried that once, and and they just keep like you can spawn. Do you have two bases in that one? I think. Yeah, spawn two two units per turn. They're spawning like ten units per turn every time. That's yep. too many then, units. I mean, they're coming at you from like a map and a half away, but it's just it, like you're like, okay, they're coming from the north. I'm gonna solidify the north, so I'll pick up some bases to the south, and then out of nowhere, there's like twelve people to the west. Mm-hmm. So what? Where the hell do these people come from? There's Is that just, like a tower defense aspect of the game? In this map, yeah, yeah. but um, like. You're trying to get as much resources as possible so that you can build bigger, better things to take out their their flying enemies, and then you just get run through by crossbows hmm. or bow and arrows. Just turn them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the, the game's cool. You you try to you capture bases, and by capturing a base, every base you have, you get extra money, and then the more money you have, the more units you can create. They're based on however many barracks I think they're called you have, you can create one unit per barrack based on however much money you have. And it, I mean, it's a, it's a fun game. I will uh, definitely not play it if I have any other options. That's where I'm at right now. That is my handheld only. If I take my switch with me and don't have anything else to play, it's worth playing, but it's not going to usurp smash brothers in my living room or something like that. So as the, you know, the, strategy based RPG expert, where do you put this on the hierarchy? I still gotta put it behind all three or behind yeah. Fire Emblem and Advanced Wars, but it's different enough that you can compare it, but it's not the same thing. That's interesting that you would put it behind those, but you would recommend it first for a newbie. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's it's more of a it'll hold your hand, kind of explain it all the the background of how to play a strategy game. Uh, and then it'll let you dick around with things like uh, custom map editor. You can download scenarios. You can even play Fire Emblem in Wargroove. People are making campaigns based on the maps from Fire Emblem games. 
Yeah, I haven't screwed around with any of the map creating or even any of the PvP stuff yet, but I know that that's, you know, adds a lot of longevity. I think it's worth 20 bucks, especially if you're a fan of the genre. And even if you're not, like, I, I can see this being a good jumping in point. I would say if you want to get into Fire Emblem, you can jump in at really any point, but there's a ton of games that you can play. There's a bunch of characters, lore, backstory you need to learn. Uh, Advance Wars, there's, what, four games in the series overall? Uh, and you got to play them in order. It might be a little harder to track them down. Uh, I know you can get the first Advance Wars on the Wii U for the other 3.9 million people that have a Wii U. Oh, that's what uh, I have one. Uh, sitting around here somewhere. 50% success rate for Wii U in this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as accessibility goes, I think Wargroove is a good starting point for anybody who's curious. Uh, about getting into the strategy RPG kind of games. Very cool. And then if you want just some weird shit, go play this Gaia. There you go. Well, I guess we don't really have a way to review games here on this channel, but uh, I, I guess uh, just a light recommendation from the both of us. Well, moving on to a topic that you know, I didn't really want to talk about too much because I've been so far up Epic's ass for all the great things that they've been doing. And uh, I was actually a pretty big fan of the fact that Metro was going over there and being an exclusive. I thought it was a good move to get people over there. They're going to make some more money. And then Metro, one of Metro devs had to parade themselves out there and say literally the dumbest thing they could have said to an angry mass of Steam fans. I'm just going to read the quote. If PC gamers boycott us for moving to Epic, then we just won't make games for PC. Problem solved. Dunzo, yep, that that'll teach him. They're definitely going to Just picture him like yeah. punching the clock, and he's like, "All right, I'm going home." <laughs> Shutting my phone off. I should go over and see what his his Twitter mentions are like because he's probably not in good shape. But <laughs> it's got to be shut down. The the fallout to this has been severe. I mean, they've been down. Like, you know, there've been negative reviews on every Steam game that Deep Silver has made in the last ever. Um, it's it's definitely not a good situation, and the this is literally the worst thing they could have done. I think if they were to just walked out and said, hey, we're moving over to Epic. We make more money over there. We think that we can sell more copies of this game, selling it for $50 on Epic, than we can selling it for $60 on Steam. These are the reasons why we're doing it. Any questions? They would have been in much better shape than what they're doing here with this They shame. genuinely didn't even need to do that much. So look, yeah. put out my, this is my my pitch there we for go. a PR job. You want to save 10 bucks? Go to the Epic store. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> not like hey gamer go fuck yourself i know you like steam but we make more money this way yeah yeah i mean so, that's i only have two sort of issues with what they besides the rogue guy who fucked it up yeah we, the, can talk, we can talk about i still think it was a smart move so i mean there's still a disagreement oh, between you sell. and me yeah yeah i, I mean I, it was gonna sell either way the two things that i think were kind of shitty of them were uh pulling the plug late notice uh i mean if they would have done it a lot earlier before they had taken a lot of uh pre-orders on steam then sure whatever and that um i mean at the time it was a little weird with the information of whether or not they were going to honor the games on steam because the original article i said said they were going to honor the steam uh pre-purchases on epic but they're not so you can actually still play it on steam yeah. but as far as i'm aware there's no recompense for being like all right we're pulling it and doing it cheaper elsewhere thanks for your extra 10 bucks 
which uh, is pretty much they're pretty much just trying to tell you that you know we really would like you to cancel that pre-order and move over here where we make a little bit more money and you yeah. can save ten dollars while doing it and then they did i'm not sure what you guys have, have talked about I, I was very choppy last week and i don't know like you know internet connection wise so i missed a lot of what you guys were saying i don't know if you touched on these topics but they you know they said they're going to bring it out after a year on steam so that is the prime they definitely got paid by epic to be an exclusive i mean it's a timed exclusive on epic i mean that's the main reason they're doing it it seems like that a lot way. of the games will be timed exclusives so if you want them now you can get them but otherwise you have to just wait a year which I kind of wrote in my old notes that that actually works out better for a certain group of people like myself, because I would rather wait and get a game of the year edition that's cheaper sure. and everything's good and done. But meh. I mean, they're a victim of my backlog. So I've never, I haven't beaten either of them yet. So they're getting in line, which might give or take be a year till I get back into it. So even if I want to play it on steam, I don't know why I'd want to pay 10 bucks more for it or a year old game at that point. So I can all yeah. but guarantee you that it takes a deep, deep sale on the Epic store the day it launches on steam. <laughs> yeah. I can't see them busting it out for 60 bucks in a year. It's, it's not even going to be worth that at all. It, they'll no. probably throw it out for like, unless they have a completed, they may have a complete edition with all their DLCs for $60, mm. something like that. They can't yeah, just like, move the base game out for 60 bucks and expect people to pay that. No, I could see a game of the year for sixty, and then like a base game for twenty thirty. Because usually there's a sale on day one for some nominal percentage. Well, like I said, it has just been a bad way to go about this, and um, that's only one bit cosmic. You said you needed ten to to say what you wanted to say. Um, yeah, it's just not a great not a great situation. They, they kind of, they had an opportunity to come out and be transparent and they came out and they were dickheads. So we're just going to move on from that topic there and uh, not talk about Epic for a while. I mean, so, I installed the launcher today. Did you? I did. What did, what game were they giving out for free? I have no idea. I was shocked I remember my password. So I did it right before we got on here. There you go. Well, next topic up on the agenda is uh, Sony patenting a possible backwards compatibility method. Uh, and everyone's assuming this is for PlayStation 5. This is where Steve checks out because he doesn't give a dog shit about any of this. But I think it's a fun topic to talk about. And this got me thinking, how important is backwards compatibility to you when deciding to purchase a console or not? Max, since you haven't said anything for the last 45 minutes, why don't you lead us off? You, uh, when, when making a console purchase, do you consider backwards compatibility? Um... If we're talking in terms of like hard copy games, no, because I don't have any really. Um, <laughs> this is going well, guys. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I, Picasso, I would imagine, wouldn't any game on PlayStation like work with the PS5? Like, if no. it was a digital copy, if it was a digital mm-hmm. copy, why not? No, you have, like that you doesn't can, even make I mean, any sense. Well, the reason why it didn't work from PS3 to PS4 is PS3 had a crazy processor in it that wasn't compatible with anything, and you have to uh, yeet. have to, um, you know, they have to completely reinvent the way the game goes. Now that a PlayStation 4 is essentially just a PC, and we can assume that a PlayStation 5 is just going to be a PC, I, you know, there really isn't an excuse to not let you have your, your backlog, your back games come over with you. Nintendo has never done this. 
You could you buy a, a, a copy of a Nintendo game on the eShop, it's not coming to your Wii U, and it's not coming to your Switch. They make you buy it each time. So it's kind of... I don't know that there's anybody that really allows backwards compatibility up until recently with Xbox with their backwards compatibility program. So and this would be kind of an un- yeah, this would be kind of an unprecedented. You know, this is going back to what the PlayStation Two was the last one. I know some PlayStation Threes played PlayStation Two games if you got the right model, but it's been a long time since we had a real backwards compatible. The Wii and the GameCube. I mean, it's it's backwards compatibility is not uh, as common as you think it'd be. Well, I'm thinking more like uh, digital copies, you know. If you buy it on an e-store, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to play it on a new console. I mean, I can understand understand why an N64 cartridge isn't going to work in a Wii, but, uh, you know. I feel I will like mash a digital the N64 copy. cartridge into my PS1 until it works. <laughs> you just shove it with the knife down yeah. so it stays in there. Yeah. They put. They put. It's good. good. You're not trying hard enough. They put GameCube controller ports on the Wii so they could put GameCube. It would be backwards compatible. I mean, they they were thinking about it back then. So you know, then they just completely gave up on it, and you have to buy Mario One on 19 different platforms because they make you rebuy it, even though you own it on everything. So but basically. In like ten years, when you're playing the Nintendo Swatch, Ryan, you're not going to be able to <laughs> play your current games on it, even Reggie's if you buy so, them. Reggie's so pissed, you just gave away the name. I mean, yeah. I'll probably still be playing Pokemon in ten years. This exact game, waiting to see my shinies. So I'm not <laughs> too concerned with that. <laughs> Jeff, as as the the wall of games looms over the back of you, how my, important is backwards compatibility to my you? Crippling obsession. Uh, I before we went live, I looked at how many games are tied to my PSN account. And when I take a guess, stab at it. Uh, it's either a really high number or a really low number. If you're asking, making this guess, uh, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous <laughs> number of games. Two thousand. Uh, have you had? Have you had one question, and then I'll pose a guess. Have you had PSN uh, for the entirety of PSN, and do you go in and claim all the games? Yes, and yes. Uh, I'm gonna go. 200. I'm going to say 10,000. You are too high. <laughs> Steve? Slot, give, me, give me a just right. Seven? Yeah. No. <laughs> I actually have 446 games tied to my PS4 account, or PSN account. That's crazy. Uh, that's had no idea it was that high. Uh, I can tell you I haven't played 447 games, but being able to bring them to a new generation... I can't say I'll play them all, but I'll at least. You like the opportunity to. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, if uh, a new Xbox 360 backwards compatible or an original Xbox game comes ba- backwards compatibility, I'm a lot more likely to pick it up if I don't already have it. Mm-hmm. Just for the uh, the the ease of playing it without having to hook anything else up. I mean, I think we could bring Steve into this conversation. Um, Steve, how many games on Steam do you have? Uh, ballpark. Uh, let's see. Four hundred and ninety-eight are live, and one hundred and seven are hidden because they were shit. Okay, so, uh, so if if you bought a new computer, <laughs> if you bought a new computer and downloaded Steam, how many of those games would you reinstall? I think that's ballpark. This the same kind of thing, you know, with the backwards compatibility. It's not quite the same because I there's only like one game that I will almost always have on the computer 
but the rest of them I cycle through with whatever I feel. So like I've got Ghost Recon on now, and I also still have XCOM. But probably in a, a month or two, if I haven't gone back to XCOM, I'm just going to get rid of it for space. And then when I get the urge to play it, I'll just bring it back. So, uh, I mean, whatever computer I move to is going to be able to play the entire library. So every PC is backwards compatible. Uh, yeah, no, but thing... I'm saying more along the lines of like installing the games, you know, like how many would you actually install? Not very many. I can just answer like, this. I, ju- I just did it. Just like Jeff's, uh, you know, all his PlayStation games, you're not going to go back and play like every single one of them. So, no, it's always a rotating thing where like there's a couple of games that will just make a good impression on me and that have mechanics that I really enjoy. And then once I get sick of them, there's st- that impression is still there and I'll like get the hankering for it and come back. So if I want to play a crafting game, I usually play Terraria. If I want to play a good shooting game, I'll play Far Cry 5, or now I'll play Wildlands actually over Far Cry 5 because I was having issues with it. Um, If I want to play a survival game, I don't know, I have a small selection of those, but there's, there's like a handful of games that I just routinely will go back to, but I don't just download them to have them available. It's usually just on demand. Yeah, I get you. Um, I think I might be like the outlier in all this because backwards compatibility doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. I, I, I'm a bad gamer, I guess. I never go back and play anything else. Like if I'm done with a game, that's the last time I ever play that game. I, I can't, I can't think of the last game that I went back or caught the urge to play. I plugged in my PlayStation three, like three years ago to play Rock Band when we had Mexus Bachelor Party, and that was the last time that I played any of those games. And it's I mean, even games that I love, like The Last of Us, I have no urge to go back and play. So I do see the idea of being able to bring your digital games forward as, you know, being important. And the fact that there is no gate like there was with the PlayStation 3, where the the structure of the, the infrastructure of the device is preventing you from playing it. It would just be a money grab at this point. I think they have to allow it because there's no reason not to. Makes sense. Speaking of going back and playing old games, Dr. Mario World is coming to smartphones this summer. So uh, Nintendo released in a press conference when they also said that they were not going to be releasing the Mario Kart game anytime soon. So this is like a little consolation prize. Uh, it's from Line, the Line Corporation, most notably known for uh, Cookie Run and Disney Sum Sum. I think that's how you say that word. They're little guys and match them. So I don't know. Um, death research on this one. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a free-to-play game, and we'll have in-app purchases. And, uh, well, I have a question for you that I didn't put on here. How the hell do you put in-app purchases into Dr. Mario? Extra lives? The only thing I can think of. Yeah. That's uh, actually a good one. Are there power-ups? There's a blue pill that makes Dr. Mario hard, but that's about it. Skins. Like... It'll just be real drug skins. So if you went Viagra falling down, that's like a three dollar microtransaction. See, see that? See, I wouldn't put it that microtransaction. I'd allow people to come in and pay you, like Viagra. Pfizer can come in and put Viagra on the pills. Or that even, paid sponsorship. even better, if you scanned your own prescription, you can play with your own medications. Ooh, that's a game. good idea. Why do we give away all these great really ideas? Idea. Cut the stream. Just cut the stream. A $10 DLC where Dr. Mario will give you actual medical advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please consult a real doctor. 
<laughs> no, it, it has to be uh, like Madden level advice where uh, Madden, they'd always give him shit for being like, well, you got to score more points if you want to win the game than the other team. Uh, Boom, so this will be like, like, make sure you follow your prescription and not eat your entire bottle of pills. Uh, the, Dr. Mario has never met a problem he won't throw a pill at, so. this uh... a, a true millennial. <laughs> this got me thinking. Um what do you want to see get the mobile treatment? Uh, if not Dr. Mario, what is there anything that, you know, from your gaming past that you think would fit well on a uh, mobile phone? You want to have it with you all the time? Anybody have anything? Uh, no, the other day, not a mobile phone, but I thought a game I would love to have on Switch. I was sitting down playing Wargroove last night. I would love Age of Empires 2 on the Switch. I don't know how the, the, hell the, you switch, make it work. the switch is cheating. They actually, uh, Civilization did really well. They just announced that it sold. You know, it met their expectations. So maybe we'll see some more. Uh... Everything except for like shitty mobile port sells on the Switch. Mm-hmm. I don't know why developers are, aren't taking it more seriously than they are. No, I think I think we're we're to the point now where people have been developing an entire game with the idea of switch being in mind and uh, we're going to see a lot more triple a stuff in the switch space, but that's cheating. Switch is an actual console. I'm talking mobile phone, <laughs> you know, so ding dong XL five to 10 minute shit. What do I want to play? Yes. Well, I, I have the exact opposite because they've been talking about this for the last, what do, you, what do you say? 10, 10, uh, 10 years since the, we stopped playing Final Fantasy 11. They've been hinting around at the idea of bringing Final Fantasy 11 to mobile phones, and I still want that to this day. I 100% agree. Although it's, I'm not exactly sure how you would go about actually playing it's a, it. it. It's a menu. Um, dri- it's all menu driven. You'll, you'll have to have a stylus to hit all your macros. I mean, I don't so think the small. macros is a problem. It's moving around. Yeah, Like just physically was, moving your character. That's the it biggest was, problem that I have with the mobile market is touch controls broadly don't work for a lot of the games especially when it comes to 3d because you have to have two digital sticks and that means you're already eating up a lot of real estate on your phone unless you're basing it for a tablet so it doesn't tend to work out all that well um i'm so annoyed with controls on these systems that i was actually at target the other day staring at those dumb shitty like 401 games and what looks like a game boy that fits in your back pocket because it's it's backlit and i don't know how they did it but they got like legit old school games that just play on an emulator and i was like i would rather play this that has like one fourth the screen size of my phone but it has actual controls that i can interact with and just play something for five minutes and soldier boy has a a console for you if that's what you're looking for (laughs) $8,000. <laughs> now that you have a moment to think about it, Jeff, you got anything? I got nothing. I play Fire Emblem Heroes and the Williams Pinball Beta, and I hate being on my phone playing games. Wow. Space Cadet. That's coming <laughs> to your phone sometime soon. I'll well, see about getting it on there. <laughs> have you tried a mobile pinball game? I have. Let's see, the Williams. Do they suck? Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird playing it with a touchscreen because usually you're using your fingers, yeah. and on yeah. there you got to use your thumbs. They all fucking suck. That's what I'm getting the point of. 
All yeah, you buy, you could buy a, you could buy one of those gaming phones that actually has physical buttons on it, like Razer and Asus make one. What about? One. Can you plug a keyboard into your phone? You sure can. Well, then yeah, you could you... play Final Fantasy XI, no problem. Yeah, keyboard and mouse <laughs> on your phone. No, Final Fantasy XI didn't even use the mouse. Back, like old school hackers. Final Fantasy XI did not use the mouse. It didn't need to use a mouse. I never used a mouse when I played. I didn't. I didn't either. I used WSD and then the arrow keys. Yeah, you to... tab everything. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's perfect. I've never seen him this excited about something. Final Fantasy XI is the best game ever made. It and is. It's like one of the only things that Mex and I agree on, like wholeheartedly. But Final Fantasy XI is it. Mm. Every time, I, whenever I go on Twitch and I see Final Fantasy XI having like nine hundred thousand viewers it, it warms my heart because ninja plays it every once in a while and it's like ah, people still pay attention to this it makes me happy jeff, jeff i met my wife playing that game ah. <laughs> so i kind of uh owe it a debt of gratitude and probably the saddest gaming moment i ever had was downloading the game like four or five years later after we sort of gave up on it and at that point, the game had sort of evolved to the point where people weren't in the main cities anymore. They were all at, like, the second and third cities. So I went from the early days where you'd walk around, like, Bastok, the first city, and there'd be people everywhere. Because if you're not playing, you're also just idling with your wares. And, like, sometimes you couldn't even walk, like, five feet without just people popping up because your computer couldn't render that much and i started walking around and it was a ghost town there was like two people that i even found idling and they just didn't even have anything they were just sort of meme characters there and i was like that sucks like that uh it's the golden days had kind of passed us and i was like that 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 kind of hurts a bit when i saw that and that's that's the problem with all these online only games is if you don't play them when they come out they're irrelevant for the most part. Well, speaking of online, Xbox Live announced, and they're going to have more to talk about this at the Game Developers Conference, but uh, they want to bring Xbox Live to iOS, Android, and most importantly, Nintendo Switch. And uh, Jeff and I were talking in chat the other day, and he has some ideas of what this means, and uh, I'm just going to let him talk for a You're going to let me die on this sword here? Um, what does Microsoft get from partnering with Nintendo. They get to give Nintendo their online infrastructure. Nintendo gets better chat. What does Microsoft get out of this? I know that they own Rare, and I think that we will get a multi-platform Diddy Kong Racing. 100% agree. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what Microsoft gets out of it. We get a new Diddy Kong Racing. I don't have to use this to talk to people. You know, a phone. Uh, what, you Everybody phone? wins for the uh, shitty Nintendo online app. That's, uh, Diddy Kong, I rented Diddy Kong Racing like six times in a row at Blockbuster because uh, I didn't own any video game for Nintendo 64. My parents just bought me lots of Blockbuster gift cards, and that was probably my most rented game. So I have fond memories of that. There's, there's so much you can do with a, a Nintendo, Microsoft, Rare crossover. A lot of games you could get back into. And Ryan, then, uh, yeah. What the hell is that? It's so tiny on my screen. What? It's a, <laughs> a smiley face? Is it? 
Well, there's yeah. two of them. What's the first a, one? A, like a tonguey face? I think. I don't know. I can't the, tell either. Yeah, the chat is so no, small. I'm like, is he... Is that flicking me off? I don't even know what that is. I'm like, I don't know how to take that. But uh, you also had some some Smash Brothers related uh, predictions. That oh, I, yeah. would, I would I would have to imagine that Banjo is a lock now from the yeah hundred percent. You know, it's funny because and... uh, sorry, not to step on your toes there, but uh, no, someone in yeah. in chat when I was playing a couple days ago, they were talking about how they really feel Banjo Kazooie like would be the next characters in Smash. I don't know if they were referring to you know what we're talking about right now, but they seem to I be mean... um, you know full in on Banjo Kazooie in Smash. It was leaked or rumored around the time they started talking about the character paths. And then it kind of went away where people started coming up with their other characters they wanted to see and like their top 10 lists of who deserves to be in Final or got Final Fantasy stuck in my head now. <laughs> Smash Brothers. Uh, and then it just kind of disappeared. And then this news of them kind of partnering a little bit with Microsoft or getting in deeper with Microsoft uh, makes me think it's happening. Yeah. I think my I think we're at least going to get a me skin out of it. If we don't get a Master Chief me skin out of this for the Gunner me fighter, I, 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 I'll, I'll I'll I don't know. I'll shave an eyebrow off. So Add that uh, Halo theme song in there too. Is are are all of the characters in this game going to just keep being put in over and over? Like there's just going to be a never-ending supply of new ones. They haven't really said past the. Past the five of the fighter or fighter pass. Okay, because I was kind of under the impression that it was going to be like all the other Smash games where you just sort of get the the pocket of them, and then every once in a while I see like a new character, a new character, a new character, and I was like, is this just still part of like the early launch, or is it never going to stop? Did anybody here ever uh, hear of a game called like Mugen? Mm-mm. It was a makeshift fighting game that was like an underground thing back in the day and people would just put any character they wanted into it so you'd have like peter griffin versus bart simpson and uh it was kind of like if you've ever played the new soul caliber you can the moves are all like whatever you want them to be like they're pre-programmed in the game and you just mm-hmm. build a skinned character so that's all it was and people would just have like the craziest shit versus terrifying looking characters yeah, and um, it was all, like, licensed characters, but it was, again, it was just an underground game, and um, for a while they had, did anybody ever hear of Salty Bet? It was a Twitch thing for a while. They would play two bots against each other, and people would bet salt <laughs> on which one they thought was going to win, and it was just, like, a big fad gambling thing for a little while, but... That's pretty much what I feel like Smash is turning into is just the fully licensed version of Mugen where it's like they'll just pick anything that people want to, to be on there and or they'll start getting, like... It's getting to that point. Except Waluigi. Yeah. That's just... I think that's just going to always be the one that they just keep in their back pocket and they can just keep making people angry. Well, we are 44 minutes into the show already and have not gotten to any of our deep dive topics. So I'm going to save Apex Legends uh, thoughts until next week and hopefully yeah, somebody... Yeah, maybe so tell somebody, somebody plays it. Ha- yeah, somebody plays it with. <laughs> uh, just quickly, it's a good game. It's free. Go out and try it. And I'll save the, my gaming on vacation topic because I do want to get to what was supposed to be the main uh, show point of the evening. And uh, it was a topic that Steve wanted to get to last week when I was off and uh, you guys went a little long. 
and weren't able to get to it. So I'm going to toss this over to you, Steve. Yeah, I'll let you introduce the topic. So um, picked up on an article where they said that uh, AI had beaten some pros at StarCraft. And um, I didn't look too heavily into it. I was just sort of excited that they're now building more into like the deep learning AI and having them be able to play games to an extent where they're learning so they can be smarter. Because one of the issues that uh, I didn't really think about moving from like a kid to an adult was AI in games because they're pretty fucking stupid. I mean, <laughs> I played Borderlands and I love that game. And I played it with a friend of ours, uh, Shank. And the second one came out and I was still excited for it. And he's like, no, I don't want to play because the AI sucks. And that's probably the turning point where I realized that, yeah, like all they ever do is run straight at you. And the only difficulty to it is they just increase how much bullet sponges they are. You just have to do more damage. So the entire game is basically a DPS check. There's no skills. And every once in a while, uh, new games will pop up and they'll be like, oh, no, this AI is really good. They'll hide under cover. Or if you throw a grenade at them, they'll move away from the grenade or something like that. But the AI has never really gotten close to what it's like to play against people. It's just various degrees of omnipotence or cheating. And uh, I've been really kind of waiting for a day where the AI can play actually like dynamically either with you or against you. Um, like I would really like to play some kind of fake online games with a really good AI because I don't have time to sit together or sit down and like bring a bunch of people together. And if I suddenly have to leave, I just fucked over a whole bunch of people. Like I, I can't, I cannot participate in any sort of MMO raid because I can't wait for a group to form. And if I did and I have to leave, I screwed over like what, 20, 30 people. So sure. uh, having, having a game where legit AI could actually be helpful. I, they don't even need to interact with you. Just like be actually helpful would be great. Um, so yeah, I was checking that out. Uh, there was a second article that came out that sort of, it said what it got into the nuts and bolts of that particular uh, game that they played. And it's a little hit and miss where like in the Starcraft game, it did develop a unique strategy, but it developed it that only an AI could do. So it figured out how to beat the humans but it did it because only a computer could could run the strategy. And what it is, is there were uh, units that can teleport. And they're kind of shitty units. But what they did is they would just have a mass of these, like an army of these things, and run at the base. And every time they were fighting something and were about to die, the AI could select the unit teleport them to the back of the line to regenerate and so there's a fresh unit on the front lines now if you have like a hundred of these units all fighting a hundred other people a human can't click through fast enough to find the ones that are about to drop from hp and then dictate them to shuffle to the back of the line but an ai can just sort of do it because it can monitor the entire field with 100 percent accuracy so it was able to even with like a limit on how many actions per minute could still perform something that a human couldn't. And so it found a strategy that a human couldn't compete with. 
so it's sort of half cheated but half was like it was smart enough to figure that shit out so um i don't know the it's not as smart as we thought it was or as good at the game but just the idea that it can develop a strategy is headed in the direction that i want it to go i want to be able to play like a battlefield game but have no humans in it i want to play it where there's like smart ai that aren't just like insta shooting you in the head because it knew where you were going to be because it's been watching you the whole time there's going to be like a like a 15 second period where the ai is the proper amount of smart to actually make it fun and that's my big concern about this is ai is going to be too good it's going to make it not fun anymore either way you're going to have ai on your team that just is so much better than you that you don't have to do anything or the ai on the opposing team is going to be so good that you can't do anything about it so just being able to figure out the what makes AI feel human, not so much be the best at the game, but make it make it react like a human would, would, would be the, the more exciting thing than just making an AI that can beat a human. If you were yeah. raiding with bots in, say, World of Warcraft, are you even necessary? No. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're basically just getting the gear for free. Well, You don't I'm... even need to be there. A raid would probably be a little different because your actions in the raid don't amount to a whole lot, but a small team is a lot different where like if it was Final Fantasy eleven and you were grinding for levels, having what was the team size? Four or six or eight or something like that. Six. Six, six Final Fantasy. So everybody usually had a pretty dedicated role. Like if you were the tank and you started fucking off, it'd be pretty difficult for uh even an AI team to sort of take over and pick up that slack if you're if you're the healer and you started slacking your team is dead if you're the dps eh, it's probably going to be really grindy unless you know everybody runs out of mp and then you're stuck and you die like that would be helpful uh or at the very least or actually that game does have ai you can summon an idiot partner to follow you around but yeah you can now uh, rpgs are a lot easier though because the uh, code is all if this then this so if you drop below 50 percent cast cure if you die cast revive if none of those things are present just start whacking the enemy but uh particularly i want to see shooters have better ai i want them to react more like humans and less like idiot robots like i i don't like it when i'm hiding in a jungle coming up to an encampment and i shoot one person Another person just so happened to see it. And then everybody in the entire place knows exactly where I am in the jungle. And they all start making a giant beeline to me. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is the point of that? Like, you know, everybody being on alert or even some radio chatter. Like, I heard them come from the east or make smarter movements. But no, it's just this robotic send everybody over there. Let's go. Yeah, I want to see them just react smarter. This technology could be really important to keeping these games as a service alive because once the player base moves on to the next thing, if you still want to play it, you're pretty much fucked. Like, if 10 years from now somebody wants to play Fortnite, the the, the, the ability to play might still be there, but the player base to get 100 people into a match might not be. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely some pros to, to, to this, some other consequences that, that, uh, that could come out of AI. The only example I can come up with is I play Call of Duty exclusively with bots. I don't like real people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll I'll run through like five or six matches and feel real good about myself, and then I'll jump into <laughs> an online game and just get obliterated. Yeah. I think 
will reach true AI as human learning when the computer starts teabagging you after they kill you. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you say that because both Ryan and I have done this before where you download like Counter-Strike or one of the old ones and you just play some rounds against bots. And it's a lot less stressful because I get to participate in a game I like where I don't have to worry about other people or some random person having a skill ceiling that's way higher than I am. And every time I round a corner, I'm taking AWP to the face and I'm just sitting there staring at my screen for 15 minutes waiting for these two snipers to finally finish a match when with bots I can press a button and they all die and the game restarts. Or I can do whatever I want. I can sit there and try to play a match where everybody has a machine gun and I'm just running around with dualies trying to see if I can survive. Whereas if you try to do that with humans, your chat box is going to explode where they're like, you're running a suboptimal build, you're bringing down the team, you're ruining my night, you are an asshole. It's are, are like... We, are we talking about the same gamers? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to be a little more PC for the podcast. Really, it's just going to be a lot of Boobs. I yeah. mean, I, I think uh, playing against bots, say, in Dota 2 is completely different than playing against these uh, like artificial intelligence bots they made to play the pros. Like, those are two yeah. completely different things. Um, yes. Well, so what you, what you would like to see is a more human-like bot in in your multiplayer games and and so you don't have to deal with other other people it's, it's just yeah. really what it boils down to are you scared that this is going to increase the amount of people that just download bots to play for them to grind out whatever they need to do and then you're just going to find out that one day that you're playing online with nobody it's just you playing against a bunch of bots because that's no. what's going to happen as long as it's fun i don't care well, Forza, the Forza series does something like that with their drive avatar, where it kind of takes how you drive and your friends drive, and then when you race against the computer, it puts your friend's drive avatar in there. Uh, but really, all my friends are assholes, so it's a lot of just getting hit around corners <laughs> and trying to avoid them at all costs. So, yeah, uh, dri- I mean- driving games are definitely a good spot for like they're already imp- implementing this. Go ahead and see what I mean. Uh, talk over I- you. I want to make the distinction that. I don't want a better AI that's in the game. I want an AI that's capable of actually playing the game. So it's different when, you know, if you're playing Counter-Strike and somebody is the bot, the bots know where you are. They know where to aim. They're just sort of uh, programmed to kind of shoot in your general area until they nail you in the head. Like, it, there, you can't separate the AI from the omnipresentness when it's in the game. I want one that's capable of independently playing the game and acting closer to human, making so, sort of. Human I'm picturing choices. like a cardboard robot sitting there with a mouse and keyboard, like looking at a computer monitor. This is what Labo is pretty much. To. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that's closer to what I want. I mean, you could still build one that can play that doesn't actually have to physically interface with the game like that, but. Something that can play the game, not something that is the game. But plays with the limitations that a human has whilst playing the game. Well, you know, a program that would see how you play Counter-Strike for five rounds and then adapt to how you're playing, you know, that's, I think, what more along the lines is what what, uh, Steve's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I wish I lived in a world where I could just play games with you guys because that's there are so many games that I want to play. Like Apex Legends is a three; it's a three ver- three person squad every time you can't go in solo, so you have to go in 
with other squad mates. And they have done a fantastic, not to go back to a topic that we skipped to save time, but they've done a fantastic job of implementing a system that allows you to communicate with your teammates without actually having to turn your mic on. They deserve all the credit in the world for, for what they're doing. But I could definitely see, even for just practice, to get better at the game before you go out and get your shit pushed in by a bunch of 12 year olds. Like I have no way of getting an army of 12 year olds just waiting to teabag you. Yes. Yes. They, it would be nice to be nice to their house this entire time. Just waiting for me to go. Damn it, mom. Come back home already. (laughs) Every game, every game is banging my mom. Sometimes you just don't want to deal with the public, right? Especially if you have a job where you deal with the public, you don't want to be playing a game where you have people that are being obnoxious dicks or trolling or cheating. You just want to play with something that's has some semblance of competence, but it's not just going to instantly lay you out. This is a very old man conversation we're having because all the kids like to play online with their friends and we're just like, God damn it. Kids get off. Like, digital I don't lawn. Yeah, hey, exactly. If, if I could, I would sit at home and I would convince Ryan to play something other than Pokemon. And we would find a multiplayer game to hang out with. But uh, especially at this point in my life, I just don't have the time to do anything online with other people. Like this is the closest I'm going to get to a, a live multiplayer game probably for the next two years. So, yeah. I mean, that's this is actually just to go a little bit off topic, but not really. That's why I like the podcast because we can go in here and we can talk for an hour, and you know, feel like we're accomplishing something. Where if we tried to like squat up and play video games for just this little one hour chunk, we would accomplish absolutely nothing. And then like. 10 o'clock would roll around and I have to get up and then Phil now that's when Phil can start playing and Mex goes to bed at seven 30 cause he's old. And it's, it's, that's, that's why I like the, like the format of our podcast. And even though it's not really, you know, doing anything for our numbers or anything, like that, I have a lot of fun doing this and I have a lot of fun talking with you guys. I mean, tonight I learned I look like an egg. So <laughs> we're moving in a direction. I don't know if that's positive, well, but that'd be I, insane. Not to comment about I that. think it's your lighting, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, the lighting in here is shit. But. Yeah, we, mine's we, doing the same thing because my lights are directly above me. There's nothing else. So I just, if I tilt back too much, I just start to shine like a crazy ghost and yeah. then I get close. And you guys are lucky I'm at 60 frames a second now. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone what breakfast food I'm shaped like. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This is the podcast formerly known as Random Encounters. Any ideas for names, I have a beer koozie that I will mail to you if you pick a name that we uh, that we end up using for... Uh, I'll show it in the post, in the post show. But uh, name us, and I have something for you. Uh, if you liked what you heard and you would like to listen to our back archive, we're available over on YouTube and every podcast service that I have been able to jam us on to. Um, Come back next week and hang out with us for Rex, Steve, drinking a big old cup of coffee. Bye-bye. And never 60, I never drink coffee. 60 FPF Jess. Jess. Jeff. Yes. <laughs> See you next week. Stay tuned yeah, for the I post show. A fun fact about that for the post show.